Hi, this is Chris Sorensen. Welcome to Brookville Road Community Church Podcast. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to check out our website at brookvilleroad.cc for all the latest information about what's going on at Community Church. I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in becoming a wholehearted follower of Jesus Christ. Enjoy. Good morning. So good to see all of you. My name's Chris. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Man, looking out at all the, the flannel, it just kind of makes me, I think we should go out and chop some wood, build some fires, make a log cabin. This is fantastic. You walk in here, you're like, man, this is a lot of flannel and beard going on in this church. So um, yeah, if you're new, today's just flannel Sunday. Um, so uh, as we get started here, uh, I want to take just a moment and I want us to pray. Uh, if you remember, Pastor McQuan and Roshan, we prayed for them up here a few weeks ago. We sent them off to India. They're doing ministry there. Uh, Pastor McQuan has pneumonia. He's been in the hospital now for a little bit. Uh, he's going to be there for at least three more days on some pretty heavy antibiotics. So we want to pray for Pastor McQuan and Roshan. Uh, and then I want to take this opportunity, too, to pray for you and to pray for your family members. We have a number of family members here in the church who have loved ones who are sick in the hospital, had surgery, uh, nearing end of life. I mean, there's there's a lot going on. Perhaps you've come in today and, and you could use a special touch from the Lord as well. So I, I want to pray for you too, all right? So let's go before the Lord. Let, let's seek him in prayer. Father, we thank you that you love us and we get to come to you in prayer. You hear us and you respond every prayer. Father, we thank you that sometimes that answer is yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's just wait. But Lord, as we present to you our brother, Pastor McQuan, while he's there in India in the hospital, we ask that you would minister to his body, that you strengthen him, that you remove this pneumonia, that you allow the antibiotics which you've created to do their work, to be effective, that you lay your hand of healing on Pastor McQuan. I think about Pastor McQuan and Roshan and how faithful they are to pray for so many of us. And now, Lord, we're bringing our brother and sister to you. We ask that you bless them richly. For those that have gathered here today, Lord, and heavy on their hearts, even those that are watching, heavy on their hearts are their loved ones who who are sick, who may be nearing the end of life. Father, we pray for your mercy. We pray for your grace and your ministry to each heart, to each body. For those who need healing, Lord, we ask that in Jesus' name you would heal them. We ask that you minister to them. For those of us in in this room or watching right now who need a special touch from you, whether it's in our heart, in our mind, in our body, with a relationship, we present all of that to you. And we thank you. You're sufficient. Thank you for hearing our prayers. Thank you for working your goodwill for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I just want to remind you, like, um, if, if you've come in, you don't yet have a relationship with Jesus Christ, he is alive, and he has the potential to bring to you justification, to make you right in the sight of God, to, to forgive you of your sins. But not just simply to give you something spiritual like forgiving you of your sins, which is fantastic, and we experience new life and life eternal with him. He has the ability to transform you. He can change you from the inside out. Those addictions, those things that you've been wrestling with, those dark places in your heart and your mind, Jesus Christ can overcome those things and you can find freedom. So I don't know if uh, you came and you have that particular need today and you needed to hear that, but I stand as a witness as one who has been forgiven by Jesus of great debt and sin and transformed and still being transformed because I'm not perfect until I get to heaven, but still being transformed by a living savior. His name is Jesus and he can be yours. Now, 
uh, we're, we're doing this thing called It's About Time. And, and we're talking about the time that it takes to invest as a church outside of these walls, to care for others in our sphere of influence. Uh, it, it's about time to care. And today we're talking about it's about time to be interrupted. Now, uh, we all face interruptions, and generally for most of us, I would think it drives us nuts. Like, we don't want interruptions, because they always come at the wrong moment. Uh, the copy machine breaks down at the worst time. Uh, you, you, the computers go out because of a power outage. Uh, maybe a family member calls and there's an immediate emergency. Uh, maybe maybe it's visitors who stop by and you didn't know that they were coming. Uh, it, it could be, and this is the worst, like you get sick the day before vacation. Like it's an interruption you weren't looking for. It's not something that you want in your life. Some of those interruptions, uh, they could affect your life for a long time. Some interruptions, they're done in a few seconds. There's certain jobs and certain jobs are wired for interruption. Police, firemen, EMS, uh, plumbers, electricians, pastors, doctors on call. We all face interruptions. If you're a mom, if you're a stay-at-home mom, your life is one big interruption, isn't it? Like the appliance breaks, uh, the kids get hurt uh, all day long. Hey, mom, 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 what? Hi. It's just like, ah. Over and over and over. So we all face interruptions. And today what I want to do is, I want to look at a time in the life of Jesus where he was interrupted. And it was a challenging time. This is a tough day, a tough chapter that we're going to read for Jesus. So if you would, open your Bible to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. This is a moment in Jesus' life. As we get about ready here to read uh, verse 13, Jesus has just learned that John the Baptist has just been beheaded by Herod. And Jesus and John, they're relatives. And you can just imagine the, the weight and the grief that Jesus feels in this moment, knowing that his friend, relative, his good friend John the Baptist has been beheaded. And this is what where we pick up in verse 13. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went on shore, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So Jesus had planned to spend some time alone. And you can just imagine if you have a loved one who's close to you and dies, you, you feel the weight of that. You feel the grief and, and you don't want to just, you know, pour yourself out into others. You're looking for just a little bit of respite. And so Jesus goes to this place that he knows to be desolate, and yet all of the people, they get there, and, and they're, they're standing there as, as he gets there. And you can just imagine, like, it, what would you do? And I mean, Jesus is God, right? He's 100% God, but he's 100% man at the same time. And so just like you, he, he would be feeling the, the grief and the weight of a loved one passing away. And so he gets on shore there. He goes to this private place, but everybody's there and everybody's expecting Jesus to do something. He was interrupted. And when I read this account of Jesus and then these, the, the crowd being here in this place where he went to be alone, I think about a movie. Uh, and the movie that I think of is What About Bob? Some of you have seen that because you chuckle. It's a comedy. So it stars Richard Dreyfus, and he's Dr. Leo Marvin in the movie. And Dr. Leo Marvin, he's a psychiatrist. He's very narcissistic, very into himself. Uh, and then his patient, one of his patients, uh, is uh, Bob Wiley, and that's played by Bill Murray. 
And uh, Bob is very codependent on his psychiatrist, and, and he just looks up to this guy. And, and the psychiatrist, Dr. Leo Marvin, says, I'm going on vacation, so you're going to be on your own, Bob. And, and Bob doesn't know what to do because he's put, you know, like all of his trust in this guy. And Dr. Marvin says, you're going to be fine. And Dr. Marvin's been looking forward to this vacation. And so he gets his family and he travels to his lake house, his, his retreat, his vacation home. He's been planning this for a long time. And so Dr. Marvin's in his house. He's getting situated, all ready to rest and relax with his family. And then on his doorstep, Bob shows up. And Bob comes in and he says, is this a bad time? Right? I mean, what, what do you do when you're a psychiatrist and your patient is on the doorstep of your vacation home? And that intrusion, that interruption, it's enough to just drive Leo, Dr. Marvin just nuts. Like it threatens his whole vacation, his relationship with his family, and he just goes off the deep end. Well, what we have here, Jesus is looking for some privacy. And he encountered a crowd. The people are lined up on the shore and they're waving at him. We're here. Is this a bad time? What would you do? What would you do? Well, look what Jesus did. Look back at verse 14. At the very end, it said this. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. He was drained. He was hurting. He was grieved. And yet, eyes of compassion, a heart of compassion. Jesus often is turning interruptions into opportunities. These opportunities came at Jesus left and right, and he used it as an opportunity to teach, an opportunity to heal, an opportunity to show the love of the Father. And they're always, they're, they're all over the place. In fact, Jesus' first miracle, do you remember where he did his first public miracle? It was at a wedding in Cana. And they had run out of wine. I don't know if there were more people that showed up or if they're heavy drinkers. I don't know. But they're out of wine at this party. And then Mary comes up to Jesus and says, they've run out of wine and you can help. And Jesus says, woman, what is that to me? And if some of us in this room had said to our moms, woman, that would be the last time we had all of our teeth. Right? But... Somehow he gets away with it. Like, you know, I, it's not yet my time. I'm not ready to do something like this. And she's like, well, whatever. And he's like, so she says, all right, servants, you do whatever Jesus says. And so Jesus asked for all this water. Out of gallons of water, he makes this wine. He took that interruption. He performed a miracle. There was another time. Uh, Jesus is on a boat. He's, he's worn out from ministry. He and his disciples are in a boat. Jesus is tired. He's taking a nap. And while they're out there on the sea, this big storm comes and there's wind and waves and the boat is rocking and Jesus is still sleeping. And then the disciples go and they interrupt Jesus' nap. Wake up, Jesus. Wake up. There's a big storm. Don't you care? We're all going to die. Jesus interrupted from the nap. He gets up and he rebukes the storm. And the wind and the waves are quiet. And those disciples are freaked out more by the fact that this man has power to still a storm when he says, stop it, than they were of the storm. There was another time Jesus was on his way to, uh, or away from Jericho. He and a crowd are leaving Jericho and, and there's this blind beggar on the side of the road. And the beggar begins to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the disciples are trying to quiet the man. Like, he doesn't have time for you. Be quiet. And yet the man continues to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
And so Jesus asked for the man, the blind man, whose name is Bartimaeus, to be brought to him. And Jesus healed the blind man. He regained his sight. The man was healed because of an interruption. There's this one time Jesus is in this large crowded room. Like there's no more space in the house. He's preaching and teaching. And there's these guys and they they have a friend who's disabled. So they go up on top of the roof. And they start, start tearing away the tiles in the roof. And they lower this friend of theirs down in front of Jesus. Jesus' preaching was interrupted by a disabled man being lowered below him. And Jesus used that opportunity, that interruption, to heal that lame man. He walked, and not only that, he forgave him of his sins. Interruption. One interruption after another. There's one time in Luke chapter 8 where this man runs up to Jesus. Jesus is about ready to talk to a whole crowd. And this guy that runs up, his name is Jairus. He's the ruler of the synagogue. And he falls at Jesus' feet. He says, Jesus, please. He's begging him, can you come to my house? My daughter is dying. My 12-year-old daughter is the only daughter that I have. She's going to die. Jesus, can you come and heal her? And Jesus leaves the crowd. And he begins to make his way to Jairus' house. Because of the interruption, he moves in that direction. As he's walking away from the crowd and walking with Jairus through this interruption, then through the crowd, a woman starts pushing her way through. She had a blood disease. And so she keeps working her way to Jesus. Finally, she gets through enough and she reaches out and she touches just his robe and she's healed. And this is now an interruption to the interruption. And Jesus says, who touched me? Power went out. Who touched me? And all the disciples are like, what do you mean who touched you? I mean, it's so crowded and congested in here. Everybody's touching you. Jesus, we got to go. Like there's a 911 emergency. There's a little girl that's dying. We got to get there and get there now. Jesus is like, no, power went out from me. Who touched me? And the woman couldn't hide any longer. So she came forward. She explained what happened. And Jesus ministered to her. And as he is talking to her, like in the midst of that conversation, one of Jairus's servants comes up and interrupts the interruption to the interruption. And he says, Jairus, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter died. And Jesus took that interruption to the interruption to the interruption to say to Jairus, oh, don't fear. Only believe. She'll be well. He goes to their house and raised that little girl from the dead. Time and again, interrupted, not by accident. So what do we do as the body of Christ when we go outside of these walls and we begin to see people in the community, at our schools, at our jobs, down our block, who have hurts and needs? That's why we're talking right now about taking this entire year and talking about how can we use our time, the time that God has given to us, to invest, to love on, to share the truth of Jesus Christ and the love of God with others. So we're saying, let's, let's spend 8,760 hours, every hour of this next year, the equivalent of that, ministering outside these walls. We still need to minister inside these walls. That's something different, and we'll be talking about that soon. But how can you and I begin to live in such a way that we have the same heart and the same eyes as Jesus Christ and we begin to look for these opportunities 
It's about time. It's about the time that we take. It's about time to care. It's about time to be interrupted. And so today, with the time that we've got left here, I want to talk about perhaps how you and I can best set ourselves up to be interrupted. So there's going to be four things here. It's not going to be on the screen. You can write them down if you want. You can just state them however you like. The first one, I'm kind of stating this way. Take time, right? Plan some time that is free from interruption. So plan some free time. You need to plan some free time from interruption, basically, so that you can be interrupted, Alright, so one of the reasons why I think that you and I have such a difficult time when interruptions come our way is because we've made no space for it. We have no margin in our lives. We pack our calendars with so much stuff. We have activity after activity after activity after activity. Go here, go there. And we've removed all of the margin. And then when there's an emergency, then when there's a need and an interruption, man, we resent it because I've got all these things that I'm doing in my life. This is why it's so important that we take the beginning of every year and we do 21 days of prayer and fasting like we're in right now so that we would pull ourselves away, not not jam-pack our calendar full of things, but spend time with the Father so that God can refill us, that he can minister to our spirit so that we can minister to other people's spirits. So in order for that to happen, you've got to have time. You've got to make free time. I don't know why we make ourselves so busy. I think we're trying to appear competent to everybody else so that other people will look at us like, oh, they must have it all together. They're really needed by everybody. Their calendar's full, so they must really be a smart, good person. You will burn yourself out. Create margin. Give yourself some rest. Relax. This is what Jesus was trying to do. Remember back in verse 14, he was on his way to a desolate place. The people came and he's had compassion on them. He ministered to them. But then look at verse 23, just some verses later. It says this, and after he had dismissed the crowds, and this is important because he's just spent all of his time healing people. And this is the same time when Jesus fed the 5,000, he healed them, he fed them, but then look, After he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. So he made it. He didn't just simply keep pouring himself out and giving himself away. He went to be alone with the Father. If Jesus needed it, and we need it. That's why from the beginning, God ordained that we should work six days and rest one. He made a rest. He made a Sabbath. And you don't need to feel bad about it. You just need to take a nap. Right? I mean, just like embrace those things. It has been given to us by God. It's a blessing from God. So we need to look at the life of Jesus and, and do the same kind of thing. And so we need to schedule some free time when we're free of most interruptions and, and obligations so that we can have margin and be renewed. So I want to encourage you to make that kind of time. So uh, practically, I would say each day, each day in your workday, Get a break. Find a break. I don't know if your job will let you do that kind of thing. If you can get away for like a 10-minute break, uh, perhaps you need to do it in the morning or do it in the evening. But in some place in your day, have some margin. Every week, take a day off. You need a Sabbath. You need to rest. You need to recharge. Everything needs a rest. I grew up in a rural farming community. And we understood this. Like the land needed rest. Machinery needs a rest. Animals need a rest. We all need a Sabbath rest to be renewed. And then if you're blessed enough by an employer to have a vacation, take that vacation. Get away. 
be renewed, recharge, be with the Father. It was a couple of years ago that I, I had to get away. A couple of years ago, I, I came to the end uh, of the rope. I, I, it wasn't something that was like a spiritual uh, kind of breakdown in my life or a moral breakdown. It was more of a, like a mental, emotional breakdown. And it happened in 2020, like, like many of you in this room, it just kind of rocked your world. And, and for me, there was a whole lot of new energy. I wasn't taking time off. I was just putting out, pouring myself out. And I, I broke. And I knew it. Like, I, there were conversations. I was just having normal conversations with people. And I would just start crying. And I didn't know where that would come from. I, I had no idea. So I knew I had to get away. So I, I planned a, a retreat for myself, and about the only thing open at that time uh, that was closest to us was Tennessee. And so I went to a bed and breakfast in Tennessee. And I went alone, and my plan was just simply to pray and to read and to spend time with God and pray that he would unbreak me, that he would pour himself into me. So I went to that, that retreat. I'd never been to a bed and breakfast before. Every, every day you, you sit down for a breakfast and uh, people uh, eat together, like they, they serve you a meal. Now, it was during COVID, so we couldn't sit at the same tables unless you were a couple. So I would sit by myself and they kept us, kept us separated. But on one of those mornings, they came to me and they said, uh, we have a, a lady here who is here alone and you're alone. We're wondering, is it okay if she sits at your table? And I, I didn't feel like arguing with them that I don't eat meals alone with women. Uh, she, she was a little older than me and <clears throat> it was public and, and neither of us felt uncomfortable. So I said, yeah, yeah, that's, that's fine. And so I sit down at this meal with this woman and she began to share. And she said that her husband had died not too long ago. And I'm ashamed to tell you, but you need to hear it. In the back of my mind, I thought, God, why would you do that? I, I, I'm tired of pouring myself out in ministry. Why would you have someone sit across from me and now I need to minister to them? I'm looking to be renewed by you. And in that moment, I'm ashamed to say that was my thought in that moment. He says, son, you never take a vacation from ministry. You're always mine. I always want to use you. I'll take care of you. This woman's husband is dead, and she's grieving. I felt rebuke by the Lord. She went on. She said, this is my first interaction with somebody in nearly nine months since my husband died. This is the first time that I've sat down with somebody else. I told her that I was a minister who felt like he was broken and falling apart and I wouldn't be any good to her. But something happened in the conversation and God poured himself once again into my heart and I saw I'm a child of God wherever I go, called to be used by him and we ministered to one another at that table. She sat amazed that God would pull her away three states away and me from a different direction And her first interaction was at a table with a minister who would care for her. We both walked away encouraged. It's about time to be interrupted. And if you never give yourself time, 
We've pushed God to the edge. And there's no margin for him to do his miraculous work. Set aside some time so that you have margin. The second thing that I want to share. Discern what kind of interruption it is. You're going to need to determine. Is this something that I need to engage with at this moment? So in this moment for Jesus, he gets on shore and what's poured into his heart is compassion, right? He's kind of, he's kind of grieved and yet he's got this compassion and he begins to heal people. But that's not always the way that Jesus operated. There, there were times that he didn't respond immediately. In fact, there's one time when uh, Mary and Martha, good friends of his, Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus and said, Lazarus, your good friend, is sick. He's ill. And this is how Jesus responded. And this won't be on the screen. Let me read it. John 11, verse 6. So Lazarus is sick. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. He didn't respond immediately. He didn't go right away. He waited. He, 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 he waited. And by the time that he journeyed to Lazarus' house, Lazarus died and he was dead for four days. And then Jesus raised him from the dead. There was a purpose in the waiting, but Jesus was discerning the moment that he needed to go. He had a relationship with the Father. And so he was listening to the Father's will, and he responded at just the right time. So we need to be careful, and we need to be able to spend time with God in his word, hear his spirit, have his spirit, and then discern. Is this something I need to do right away? Is this something I need to wait on? Is this something I need to do at all? Because not every interruption is positive. For instance, the book of Nehemiah. In the Old Testament, remember Nehemiah, he's building the walls of Jerusalem, right? He's going to restore those walls. He's gathered everybody together. And the people on the outside in the other nations, they don't want Jerusalem's walls to be restored. And so there's some critics on the outside of Nehemiah. You got Sanballat and Tobiah and the other yahoos. And they're like, hey, we want you, we want you to come visit us. Come, come meet with us. Stop your work at the wall. Come meet with us. And Nehemiah sends word back, I'm doing a great work here and I can't come down. You, you go bother somebody else. You go criticize somebody else. I'm not going to be with you. So there are times in your life where you need to discern, that's not something I really need to be messing with. And the Lord will give you direction. But you have to pay attention. You have to be discerning. You need to be wise. This is why it's so important that we spend time with the Father. Look at this verse. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17. Very practical verse. Watch this. Look very carefully then how you walk. So pay attention as you're going through life. Don't just stumble through life uh, not, not knowing where you're going, not having an intended destination. Watch how you're walking. Look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Principle here. We need to face every situation that we got with the question, what is the wise thing to do, right? You've got some drama in your life. You've got some things going on. You're wondering what direction to go. The question is, what is the wise thing to do? And you ask the Father. Verse 16, making the best use of time. Why? Because the time, that's all we got. We've only got so many heartbeats. We've only got so many breaths in our lung. So we need to make the best use of our time as we're walking to walk intentionally, to walk with God, to walk the narrow road, to walk with Jesus Christ. We have a short amount of time. He goes on, because the days are evil. So let's be mindful. And then he says, verse 17, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. God will reveal his will. 
when you read his word, when you pray to him, when you allow him to transform your heart, you'll be able to discern those things that are coming your way. Is this something that I need to engage in regarding this interruption? So what are we doing? We're planning some rest. We're determining the nature of the interruption. Uh, and then the third thing I would suggest is be focused where you are. Be focused right where you are. Sometimes we'll have these interruptions that come our way, uh, but we're not really engaged. Our mind is somewhere else. They begin to wander. We have divided attention. You get someone in front of you and you're just like, okay, I've got places to go. I've got things to do. So when we're interrupted, we're just kind of giving partial interaction, partial attention. Our minds wander, but we need to be engaged. We're no good to anybody if we're just pretending to be with them. I think this happens a lot sometimes when we're parents. Sometimes we just get so busy, it's just a lot lot of, yeah, uh uh-huh, but we're not really paying attention to the child in front of us. Sometimes we can do that as adults as well. You get a a child that comes up, maybe it's not even your child, uh, but we don't engage with them because we think they're beneath us. Jesus never did that. That's why I think it's so important as the body of Christ that we care for the children, that, that we see them through the eyes of the Lord and we minister to them, not just simply ignore them and move on. You'll have people that come up to you and you're like, well, I don't know you or maybe I think you're a little bit strange. And so you begin to walk away or pull away. Jesus never did that. He never did it. This is a temptation. This is the challenge when you're somebody who's always busy. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I'm down front and I'm praying with people. And if I'm praying with you, the temptation is to see a line behind you. And then to start thinking about, okay, I need to pray here and then pray there. And so... I started something new. You'll, you'll notice it. I turn with my back here and I face this way. I'm not trying to be rude to the people behind me, but I need to focus on the person I'm with. And so do you. What are we doing? We're planning some rest. We're determining the nature of the interruption. We're going to focus where we are. And then the final thing, we want to make sure that we take advantage of every opportunity. Just like Jesus Christ, we want to see every opportunity as a divine appointment that God has potentially put in front of us so that we might begin to minister in Jesus' name, to see these interruptions as opportunities to share the love of God. So for us who are determined and and like we've got our calendars and we've got a direction that we're going and we're busy, busy, type A, driven individuals, we'll be tempted when those interruptions come to see them and be resentful of the interruption. But we've got to see them as opportunities of these God-divined opportunities to pour ourselves into others, to minister to them in Jesus' name. And that's, that's what our lives are. Like our whole lives are an adventure. Like your, your family, your job, your whole life is to be set apart for God. Your Savior, who you say who lives in you, wants to work through you. And the interruptions that he brings your way, man, that is an opportunity for him to be glorified. Friend, it's about time to be interrupted. What would happen? What would happen if we started praying for interruptions? I know what would happen. (laughs) Because it's what God does. But then to pray for the kind of heart that Jesus had when he was interrupted. Not to be selfish, but to be selfless. To pour ourselves out so that we once again can be filled with the love of God. If we're never pouring out our love on others, 
and we just keep it contained to ourselves, there's no room for blessing. But when you pour it out, now you got room again. Set aside some time, some time with God. Determine the nature of the interruption. Focus on the people who are in front of you and then take advantage of that opportunity to share the love of Christ. Let's pray. Father, would you interrupt us? Some of us have come through a week of interruption and it's been difficult. Give us new eyes. The kind of eyes to see that you're using us for your glory. Give us eyes to see the world outside of these walls. To love people with the same kind of love that our Savior Jesus Christ displayed. That doesn't come from our own manufactured energy. We've tried it. We just end up empty and we can't meet all the needs. But when you fill us, when you live your life through us, those are holy moments. Would you bring some of those holy moments our way? for your name, for your glory. So as the body of Christ, we submit ourselves to you again as we walk out those doors today, as we go out into the community, to our jobs, to our schools this week. Let our light shine so that you might be glorified. In your name we pray, amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love for you to join us at one of our weekend worship services. For service times and information about BRCC, be sure to check out brookvilleroad.cc. God bless you.